You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So um, we, we got it figured out now. The Packers play Saturday. They're going to be playing the L.A. Rams. Um, generally speaking, usually on a normal week, I kind of work my way into looking at the opponent. That doesn't start until maybe maybe Thursday, probably Friday. But I've gotten so many great insights, so many great questions, and obviously it's everybody is focused on one thing right now, and that's the L.A. Rams and the Packers' ability to beat them and possibly the week beyond that. So I don't, I don't want to dance around too much. I want to get straight into it, um, especially since there's so many great insights that I've already been given and questions and things to look at. I want to at least start playing with it. Um, with that, I want to encourage you to please, anything you got, send it to me. Um, now I'm already sitting down here and I'm, I've gone through a bunch of things and it's like, okay, where do those questions come from? I don't know. <laughs> Some of them send were Facebook messages and Twitter messages and, um, I got to do a better job of trying to figure out how to organize all this stuff. I'm not sure exactly the best way to do that, but anyways, I, I do want to get started on that and, um... Trying to think the best way to do it. Usually, posting in the Facebook group, I can tell you, is not the best. Um, you can you can tag me in a post in the Facebook group, but it, it gets so hard to find because there's a lot of posts in there and it gets buried. And even if I go into no, my notifications, I get a billion notifications, and even that gets buried. And and you know, I I have so little time, and there's so many questions, I don't have time to search through stuff. So uh, usually, a direct message somewhere. Uh, Instagram is also not great. I just, I don't really think to look at it, and it pops up on Facebook and Instagram, so that gets confusing, and I look on Facebook, and i got to switch my account just to look on a page. So Twitter DMs, and also even a, a Facebook direct message ends up being a little bit better, although Facebook kind of gets, I, I think Twitter DMs are probably the best, if I'm just being flat out honest with you. Also, uh, make sure you stay tuned, because we do have a winner for the Instagram giveaway. I probably should just do it now, so I don't end up forgetting but uh, I want to kind of drag this out a little bit. For those of you that didn't know, haven't been uh, listening or whatever, we are doing uh, giveaways on my Instagram account, Packernet Podcast. There are several giveaways. So this was the first of many. If you go to Instagram, you'll see a picture of a pile of stuff with some instructions that simply say, follow Packernet Podcast on Instagram, tag three Packer fans for a chance to win. One of you won. But um, if I'm not mistaken... We're going to rev this back up and start giving away the rest of those things. So if you're not following me on Instagram, Packernet Podcast, please go do that and stay tuned for the next giveaway. But uh, if you already partook in that, again, stay tuned because we've got a winner. 
But I want to start off by looking at yesterday's games a little bit, because that's interesting. Um, again, I'm, I'm fairly pleased with my thoughts on the game. The games, uh, I did expect Baltimore to win that game. Um, I actually thought Tennessee played a phenomenal game. Um, when I was looking at it, I said they would have a hard time stopping the run. They really didn't. I mean, they did such a good job swarming and just playing violent. I mean, that... Of all the teams that we've watched, I felt like Tennessee was one of the teams that really felt like a playoff team to me. It's too bad they had to play the Baltimore Ravens and lose for their sake, but man, you watch some of these teams and it's like, you guys are just kind of garbage, right? I mean, and no offense to some of these teams, and I, I doubt any Colts fans are listening, but the Colts did not look good. And I'm, I'm still upset about it because I said the Colts should win that game. They absolutely should have. They just played like garbage. I thought Seattle and LA both kind of looked like trash, to be completely honest, and that's not me foreshadowing, you know, we're going to kill the Rams. We'll, we'll get there. They're, they're, I think maybe they're a better team than what we saw. They just, they just, it didn't look clean. I thought Baltimore, Tennessee was two playoff teams just smashing into each other. And then Tampa and Washington, obviously, I didn't watch. From what I heard, Tampa didn't look all that good, but I know a lot of people hate Tampa, so I'll, I'll leave that up to you to decide. But really, this was the first game I watched where I was like, man, this is, these two teams are just fantastic. I mean, just scheme-wise, and they're just very minimal mistakes. And I think the score was low, not because the offense was terrible, just the defense on both sides was just fast and violent and mean and aggressive. But at the end of the day, Baltimore did end up on top. Um, I kind of thought maybe Tennessee would pull it off. As I mentioned, they do have a passing advantage. They've got a better passing team than Baltimore does, and if they can get that going, they can really have some success. But ultimately, Baltimore's defense was able to stifle that as well. And uh, again, Baltimore did come out on top there. Chicago and New Orleans. I mean, it was it was a even that I I just was not all that impressed. I think I think honestly one of my biggest takeaways in all this is that the Packers are probably the best team in the NFL. And granted, it's the playoffs. You get maybe some teams are just playing harder than before. But dude, Tennessee was not that hard to score points on. Baltimore made it look real hard. Everybody is just struggling out there. I mean, New Orleans could not move the ball against Chicago. I remember watching that and thinking, dude, New Orleans doesn't have a chance against the Packers. They just don't have a chance. I mean, the, the Packers' defense might be better than the Bears' defense at this point in the season, and they couldn't put up more than, what, seven points and a half? I mean, you got to give respect to their defense. You know, they, they only allowed three points and a half, nine points total, but just yuck. And again, as I said, I don't know how this Bears' defense is able to move, or this Bears' offense is able to move against this defense. The, the pass rush, the defensive line is just too swarming not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to have to pass, and they're terrible at passing. And then you got decent corners and great pass rush, and it's just not going to work. And it didn't. But again, a lot of this comes down to matchup. But either way, matchup or not, these teams all really struggled. And then Cleveland-Pittsburgh, obviously I got that wrong because I bought into the COVID nonsense. Should have just went with my gut. I'm sitting here saying Cleveland is clearly the better team. Pittsburgh is just an absolute joke. Their offense is... is probably the worst in the NFL, but yet everybody's picking Pittsburgh, and I'm, I can't figure it out. I'm like, this is crazy, and they're like, oh, but dude, COVID, they got a couple players out. Their coach ain't gonna be there, and I bought into that nonsense, and then Buzz saw Cleveland Brown show up, you know, the crazy version that just goes nuts, plus you got, that's the other thing, as soon as I heard Juju talking trash, I just pictured Baker just turning into a psychopath, because he has that little bit in him. He starts, he gets very competitive. And Juju's over here talking. This trash Steelers team is talking trash about the Cleveland Browns. Stupid. Stupid. Should have went with my gut on that. Clearly got that wrong. But still, again, I did mention Cleveland is this kind of team. The problem is 
this kind of team generally doesn't win Super Bowls, right? The volatility, the, the biggest, the best attribute you can have as a playoff team is consistency. Consistency on a game-to-game basis, on a quarter-to-quarter basis, on a play-to-play basis. And again, that's I think that's more what you saw with Baltimore and Tennessee, where it's just it's just clean execution. And when things don't work, it's not because you didn't execute; it's because the other team just just out executed you, executed you. I'm gonna executed you so good. But yeah, I, I you know there's a lot of reasons to respect all the teams in the playoffs right now. But there's also reason to say the Packers are at the very least in the mix. There is not one team in the NFL right now that I'm looking at, and we could we will we'll have to see what the Chiefs are putting out at this point in the season. There's not one team I'm looking at going, oh man, I'm just super scared of that team. I mean, I'm 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 scared of the Rams for this reason, and I'm scared of the Bucks for that reason, and I'm scared of the Saints for this reason, and the Chiefs and the Bills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's just, there's nobody, I'm, I mean, last year you look at the 49ers and it's like, ah, <laughs> I mean, we get, we talked ourselves into it, but at the end of the day, it was like, you guys are going to get just annihilated. It was one of those things where you talk yourself into, we're going to win, and then after you just get blown out, it was like, yeah, we should have known that was going to happen. There's nothing here. The Saints couldn't move the ball against the Bears. The Bears don't even have a top 10 defense this year. Statistically speaking, they don't. They've been giving up all kinds of points all year long. And this was at home for New Orleans. They were at home in their own stadium. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, the whole gang's back together. They can't move the ball against the Bears. The Bears had no corners. They couldn't throw passes. Come on now. Come on now. But anyways, um, something else we might as well look at since we're sitting here. Uh, We do have some PFF grades, namely... The LA Rams have some grades out. So if we're looking at this team, you know, the the general consensus is this is a really good defense and a really bad offense, and we're not scared of Jared Goff and all this stuff. What? I guess I don't really understand what's going on with the quarterback situation. It feels weird to me. I understand they put in a quarterback because, just just bear with my thought process and my ignorance for a moment. So Jared Goff messed up his hand, needed surgery. He was kind of ready to go, but not really. They put in this other quarterback. He gets hurt, and they're like, all right, Jared Goff, you're good to go. So he's kind of good to go, but not really. And I I guess I kind of get that. But at the same time, there were comments that came out by Jared Goff that made it sound like he was hurt by that. In other words, he made it sound like the coach came to him, and he's like, look, man, you're not really benched. You know how this goes. I mean, it's just one of those things, and... He's like, this. This feels. I feel like I'm being benched right now. The only reason I'm even bothering to bring that up is Wolford played much better than Goff did. Wolford was the fifth best offensive player on the team. Jared Goff was the second worst graded player on the team. Which again, Jared Goff has been playing like garbage all season. Now it seems unlikely Jared Goff would ever get benched for some no-name quarterback that nobody's ever heard of, but yet we've seen several instances of that this year, of guys just not performing and getting benched. I mean, the Bears have been benching and unbenching and benching all season long. You got Tua, right? He's our guy. Nah, 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 bench him. He's garbage. Nah, 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 nah. Bring him back, bring him back, bring him back. Just weird, weird stuff. I guess just part of me wonders, what are the odds that his hand is just hurting a little too much? And that Wolford comes back. I mean, maybe he just can't even play because he's got rocked so hard. He's got a concussion or something. I don't know. But again, I just wonder because I'm looking at this offense. Um, Austin Corbett, their right guard, graded out 
the highest. A really good pass blocking grade, really good run blocking grade. Andrew Whitworth, 900-year-old uh, left tackle who's a just a dominant football player. Austin Blythe, the center. They have a very good offensive line because this is a um, Sean McVay team who comes from that same mold that Matt LaFleur does, and offensive line is incredibly important. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that the right guard, left tackle, and center were the three highest-graded players in this game. Cooper Cup was the next highest. He is hurt but should be good to go. After that, again, is John Wolford, and then halfback Cam Akers. After that, nobody graded out well. Um, right tackle Bobby Evans was the lowest-graded player. Quarterback Jared Goff was the next lowest-graded player. Starting tight end Tyler Higby was the next lowest. And on and on it goes. Robert Woods was average. Rob Havenstein, the other, other right tackle, was average. I don't know how many tackles this team has. But then, of course, you flip it to the other side, and you've got Aaron Donald, who is just dominant. On top of that, you had cornerback Darius Williams, who was given an elite coverage grade. Six targets, three receptions, and a pick. Safety John Johnson. Safety Jordan Fuller. Ashawn Robinson, the tackle out of Alabama. I thought he was a lion, wasn't he? I get these guys confused. Linebacker Troy Reeder. Other nose tackle Greg Gaines. They all graded out well. Man. Well, hello there. Traveling from the future, I come from 30 minutes of recorded episode that just got deleted. Nice to meet you all. I can't tell you how absolutely defeating it is <laughs> to just to get up early, to do all the work, come down here, I record an episode, take it to break, and then crash. And now it's like, oh yeah, I gotta say that exact same stuff all over again. By the way, you don't have time to go through everything all over again. I just hate everything. So anyways, obviously this is a uh, offensive juggernaut versus a defensive juggernaut. I don't even remember if I talked about stuff yet. You know what? Let's. I'm, I'm going to scrap everything I already talked about. I just. I. I can't do it all over again. We're going to take a break right here. We're going to talk about something else. It's going to be a short episode. Sorry, I'm sounding a little crabby. Just tired of it. Remember to uh, ask some questions and whatnot, and uh, all that good stuff. We'll come back on the other side of the break. Instagram giveaway winner, and then all, all new stuff. All new, fresh, good stuff. Hopefully, no more crashing. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so the winner of the Instagram giveaway, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than Mr. Zach Dom. Zach, if you want to uh, reach out on Instagram, just send a direct message to the Instagram account, Packernet Podcast, and uh, Jacob is going to hook you up with uh, whatever you got to do next. But again, there's going to be more giveaways over there, so make sure you are following Packernet Podcast on Instagram, etc., etc. So one of the, the questions I got or concerns that um, was brought up this morning that got me thinking, and, and it's one of those things that I, I probably should put more time into, but I'm, it's kind of where my head's at, so it's where I want to run with things. And uh, since everything kind of came crashing down, this is what we're doing now, literally. But uh, Daniel reached out. He says, a lot of confident folks out there, but I don't know, seems like whenever a playoff matchup comes around labeled top offense versus top defense, the defensive team prevails most of the time. Am I wrong about that? Tell me I'm just being pessimistic. I'll be honest. I had a real hard time finding a real good definitive answer, so I'm going to kind of table the specific answer for a time when I can find the answer because I don't exactly know how to find it. But first thought on that. As of right now, I would say the offenses are winning the day. The Buffalo Bills are an um, offensive team with a defense that is kind of meh. They beat the Colts. They won. Why? Because of their offense. Tampa Bay was the offense. Washington was the defense. New Orleans, the offense. Chicago, the defense. Cleveland, the offense. Pittsburgh, the defense. Um, You could say the LA-Seattle was the opposite, but again, that was kind of defense versus defense. Granted, the better defense won, but Seattle was kind of LA light. Um, If this was Seattle-LA week one, it would have been different, but at this point in time, the Seattle offense has more or less imploded. The defense has kind of stepped up. So you have a good defense against a great defense and a decent offense against a uh, pretty subpar offense, I guess. I don't know. And as far as Baltimore and Tennessee, I you know, I feel like, again, they're kind of the same team. They're both just smash mouth running team. Now, granted, Tampa, uh, Tennessee is the better offense, but uh, Baltimore has a really solid offense as well, and both of them have sort of uh, mid-tier defenses. So, you know, I don't know that we can necessarily just say that, you know, the better defenses are going to win out. In fact, the next thought or the next place my mind took me to was look at last year's Super Bowl champions. The Kansas City Chiefs were a team that was a dominant, dominant offense that basically beat everybody by having a dominant offense. The defense was there, and it was somewhat competent, but, um, I mean, look at how they won a lot of those games. The Houston Texans absolutely annihilated the Chiefs up until the offense came back and, and won it in spectacular fashion. The The Kansas City Chiefs defense allowed 21 points in the first quarter. It's 21 to nothing. Final score was 31-51. So, you know, again, the offense put up 51 points and beat the Texans 31-51. That's how they won that game. Now, were the Texans a defensive juggernaut? No. But again, it's not... It's not like you have to have the elite defense to win football games and the the top offenses don't necessarily win. Next week was a similar thing with Tennessee. Tennessee jumped out to an early lead.
Kansas City's offense put it away in the end, 24-35. Not, not the worst effort by a defense, 24 points, but it's not exactly shutting them down. This was clearly an offensive win. A win. And then the thing that should maybe excite us all, although San Francisco did have a very good offense, um, the simple fact that the Super Bowl was down to the 49ers and the Chiefs, which was kind of billed as elite offense versus elite defense, and who won? Well, it was 31-20 Chiefs. That was sort of the way that that came down to. Again, maybe a little bit not super correct because the 49ers did have a very good offense, technically statistically better than, than the Chiefs, but, well, you know, whatever. And then finally, uh, again, I would just bring us back to the episode that I did before about Super Bowl champions. There's all different kinds of Super Bowl champions. Um, there are certain disqualifying factors. I mentioned the Bears were kind of outside of the spectrum of a team that's ever won. And the reason for that is because despite the fact that defense is clearly extremely important, the fact of the matter is really bad defenses have won Super Bowls. There's never been a really bad offense that's won a Super Bowl ever. And I guess really bad is subjective. But um, again, if, if you have no, nobody with worse than 20th overall offense has ever won a Super Bowl ever, ever. Washington and Chicago were, uh, and the Rams, by the way, are outside of that spectrum. Ever, 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 ever won a Super Bowl. And the teams that have won that are really, not even really bad, just, you know, suboptimal. Remember, 16 is, is middle of the road. 20 is slightly below average. Again, the, the 20th ranked Pittsburgh Steelers won. They had the number one offense in points and yards. So the Rams kind of fall into that spectrum. But that's the only way is because their defense is so unbelievably elite. Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2002, 18th, number one, and number one. Broncos 19th in their four and their one. Conversely, the Giants in 2011 won. They had the 25th ranked defense, the 27th in, in yard. Well, did they have an elite offense? No, they were ninth. Giants won with the 17th ranked offense. The Colts won with the 23rd ranked uh, defense, I mean. Saints won with the 20th ranked defense. But again, there's all kinds of fours and sixes and nines and ones and eights and sevens. There's all different kinds of winners. Kansas City Chiefs were 5th, 7th, 6th, and 17th. If you're looking at points, 4 points against, yards, 4 yards against. Packers come into this postseason with the number one rated offense, 13th overall defense. But again, that's not necessarily the trajectory I mean, if you look at from week 13, interestingly enough, you know where the Rams rank since week th- from weeks 13 to 16? The Rams' defense ranks 7th. You know where the Packers' defense ranks? 5th. So, so again, we're, we're talking about, well, this is the number one offense against the number one defense. Yeah, if you look at from the spectrum of week 1 through week 16, right? But, but that's just a gen- that's one generality. I can look at it from week 13. I, you know, if we look, what is the last quarter, 12? No, it would be 13. 13, 14, 15, and 16 is four games. So the last quarter of the season, Seattle Seahawks had the number one defense. They lost to the Rams. Tampa Bay has the number two defense. Buffalo has the number three. Again, Buffalo, powerhouse offense, not a very good defense, unless you look at recently, right? Again, that's there are certain teams that are ascending. Tampa, Green Bay, Buffalo, ascending. The Rams over the last quarter of the season are seventh. They've allowed 74 points. The Packers have allowed 70. So what? Again, I just think, and again, all due respect to the, the Rams, they do have a good defense. One of the things that I said before this whole thing came crashing down, I think, maybe it was before, maybe I said it already. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. One of the things about the Rams, not I mean, the thing about the Rams is just you, you can nitpick things. You go, well, they don't have very good linebackers or blah, 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 blah. They've got the keys that matter. The guys up front do a great job, and they have probably the best corner group in football. 
Again, this is based on for the season, but they have, I think, three top 20 corners on their team. I think number five, number seven, and like number 19 or something. Just off the top of my head, not going to look it up again. I don't have time. But again, you, you've got a defense. You can understand. I mean, even if it's just one good pass rusher, and that's essentially what it is. I mean, you got some good complementary pieces. Obviously, some guys come free. They do some scheme things. Talk to Coach Hawn about it if you want to know that. I'm not your guy for that. But they do some things to make sure things work because so much energy and attention has to be paid to Aaron Donald when generally you'd be doing other things. We have to do these things because of Aaron Donald. You know, it just it frees other things up. But you can understand how just that by itself, what do you do? They got good DBs and an, a freakish pass rusher that's going to get to your quarterback in about 2.7 seconds every snap. How much do you care that their linebacker isn't super great? You don't. But again, it just we're, we're too up in our own head about, oh man, this is the number one defense against the number one offense, and, and I just don't know, and, and you know, uh, da, 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 da. okay, well again, if we look at the last quarter of the season, number five defense against the number seven defense, and the Packers are the five, are the five. I think I cut that off early. And then if you want to look at offense, the Green Bay Packers are sixth. So they have the number six offense and the number five defense. So not only is it that the Packers' defense is arguably better than the Rams down the stretch, their defense is better than their offense down the stretch. The Rams' offense in the last quarter is 18th. They've scored 91 points the last four games. The Packers have scored 125. So the point differential, if we were to look at this, the Green Bay Packers have the fifth best point differential in football, 55 more points over the last um, four weeks than they've they've scored more, 55 more points than they've allowed. Buffalo is number one with 79 points, Baltimore with 62, Tampa with 56, Chicago with 55, Green Bay with 55. Not surprisingly, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Tampa are in the playoffs. Not surprisingly, all three of those teams won. Seattle was next, they're out. The L.A. Rams' point differential is 17. They've scored 91. They've allowed 74. I'm not trying to discredit them. I just I just want to try to get things in a better perspective because I think we're overgeneralizing things, and it's freaking us out. Greatest defense we've ever seen in the history of the universe, and the Packers don't do well against good defenses, and defenses win championships. You're right. The Rams should be scared. <laughs> You're right. Defenses do win championships. Defenses are a big factor. You're talking cold weather. You're talking violent defense. Yeah, Rams should be scared. Jared Goff has only played two games in cold weather. He's played them like garbage. Small sample size, but man, it, it's hard to find any two games that are that are as bad as, as uh, Jared Goff in cold weather. Now you talk Jared Goff in cold weather with a busted up hand against the a, a top five defense right now. It's rough, man. You may have seen it. I put it on Twitter, but here are his stats. His two games in cold weather. And granted, the Rams are 1-1, one and one, but no thanks to Jared Goff. 34 of 72, which is 47% completion percentage, which is horrific. 381 yards, zero touchdowns, five interceptions. Those are in games in 35 degrees or less. I think both of them were under 30, but I didn't want to make it seem like I'm nitpicky, like, well, 29 degrees or less, because then people just assume. So I just said 35 or less, because it it doesn't make a difference. The forecast is 28 degrees in Green Bay, a high of 28 degrees. That's right at about what those other games he played. So really, honestly, and, and, and of course, you never know who's going to show up, right? Maybe, well, maybe the, the bad version of the Packers show. Yeah, maybe the bad version of the Rams show. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just trying to look at things in the most rational way possible. And I would say, looking at the most recent history compared to the entire season, including weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, 
Doesn't make as much sense. I want to know who a team is now. Right now, the Rams are a very good defense. Are they the number one defense? I don't think so. I, I think even some other playoff teams have been doing better, like Buffalo, like Green Bay, like Tampa. Now, that's really scary for what the future holds, no question about it. I don't want to play Tampa. I really don't want to play Tampa. I hope the Saints find a way to beat them. I'm scared of playing the Bills, for sure, although I think we can do a pretty good job against them. We'll, you know, I kind of hope it's Packers. I, I mean, I, I don't want to play them. But I, I think I do want to play them actually. Not only, not just because I'm kind of a fan of the Bills and I like them, and it'd be kind of cool to to have those two going up against each other. So either way, a team that I like wins. Although I'm going to be absolutely crushed if the Packers lose, but eventually I'll get over it and be happy for them. Actually, that's not true. I'll probably just start hating them, and I don't want that. But I just you know matchup wise, I actually think we match up fairly well against them. Um, so again, we'll we'll. we'll try to dive a little bit more into the specifics and, and again it really just comes down a lot of this comes down to matchup looking at generalities like number one and number five and number well that's that's what you did against those teams on those days and those conditions you know it, most of those were garbage teams and you you know maybe they played one good team maybe they maybe they did really dominant but they just had one kind of rough game there's so many different variables at the end of the day it comes down to what is our offensive line going to do against their defensive line? What are our wide receivers going to do against their corners? What is our quarterback going to be able to do to them? What is our head coach going to be able to do against their head coach? The scheme and the, the breakdown and the, the weather plays a factor and, and all these different things come into play. That's that's what's most interesting. So it, it is a question. It is a concern. Man, number one defense against number one offense. It's scary. But it, it's that's not even the reality. Again, the Rams are only the number one defense if you include the first half of the season and disregard the fact that things have changed. Again, Buffalo Bills have a garbage defense. If you just look at the full season, if you look at recent history, they actually have one of the better defenses in football. So so when a team goes up against the Bills, what are you thinking? Are you thinking garbage defense, or are you thinking pretty scary defense? I have a feeling you're going to look at it and say, no, this is a good defense, because they've been playing good defense for about half a year now. So again, the, the full year thing is nonsense. Who are they today? That's the question. Who, who, What team is showing up in Green Bay? I don't care who they were in week one. What team is showing up in Green Bay? And I know when those two teams take the field, I'm looking at one of the hottest offenses and defenses in football. On the other side, we're looking at one of the best defenses in football up against an offense that's really having a hard time. That's the honest breakdown. Number one, number three, number five, number seven, whatever. I don't know. Who knows? By the way, the Steelers, one of the best defenses in football. What do you think about that, <laughs> right? Because it's not because they're bad. It's just who knows what's going to happen. Who knows who's actually going to step, step out on that field. By the way, um, I think they, I think they ended up fourth overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So, you're, so going into that game, you look at them and say, man, this is the number four overall Pittsburgh defense up, up against Cleveland. I wonder what's going to happen. Again, if we just look at the last four weeks, you know where Pittsburgh's defense ranked? 19th. Did that look more like the number four overall defense or the number 19 overall defense? I, I'm just, again... I'm just saying. And I think if a lot of us would have looked at it through that lens, through that context of who are the Steelers now, don't look at their overall rank, who are they now, very few people would have picked. I shouldn't have picked them. Even if Cleveland has a couple guys on COVID and their coach isn't there, this is arguably the worst offense in football and a subpar defense against Cleveland that puts up 50 points just for fun. So we need to spend more time saying, who are the Rams today? And, and by the way, injuries, right? It's not the same team. There's Some players have gotten much better, right? 
Amos and Savage at the beginning of the year were, were subpar football players. Right now, they are literally the number one and number two safeties in football. Also, we had David Bakhtiari in the beginning of the season. We don't have David Bakhtiari anymore. A.J. Dillon is kind of a thing now. He wasn't a thing before. Billy Turner is playing much better football than he was before, especially if you look at last year and this year. Things change. Things have, And the same thing is going to happen for the Rams. There's some guys that aren't on their team anymore that were there in the beginning of the season. There's some guys that started off the season not playing very well that are playing very good football right now. Things change. The question is, what is the best estimate of the what Rams team is going to be showing up on Saturday? What Green Bay Packers team is showing up on Saturday? Take all the relevant factors, put them together, and answer that question. Because at the end of the day, the, the number one offense, number one defense narrative is kind of boring. It just is. I mean, it, it's, it's boring because it's not true. It's just not true. It's not the number one offense and number one defense. It's, it makes for great headlines. I'm sure the national media is going to run with it because they can write articles that are going to get a lot of clicks, and it makes for great tweets and all that stuff. It's not reality, right? Especially when they run with the narrative that, um, you know, it's, it's the number one offense and the number one defense, and on the reverse side, you've got a struggling offense against a struggling defense. Says who? Says what? Who says the pack? Well, if you look at the over the the stats for the season, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, and so uh, you know, they're not they're not struggling. They're doing okay. They're doing just fine. So again, that's that's my goal. Again, we're out of time. I apologize that the episode is short. I literally had I think it was about twenty minutes of my episode. Um, this thing just it crashed and it recovered about ten minutes of it, but um, I lost a lot of it. And so. Uh, it is what it is. That'll I'll have a little bit of content that I'll talk about tomorrow that got cut out. But again, the biggest thing is, and and, and what I what I, what I love about the questions is it forces me to look at stuff. Not that I'm too lazy. I just sometimes sometimes I don't think about things, and a lot of times it's a simple question, and I start looking, and it really just takes me down a million different rabbit holes, and I need that because that's the way my brain is wired. I just go crazy into this stuff, and I love it. But sometimes I just I need a little jump start. That's why I said I appreciate Mr. Negativity because he comes over and just says the craziest stuff and I just want to either prove or disprove it. That's what a lot of this cold weather stuff started because he's like, ah, Breeze is trash in cold weather. I'm like, okay, I guess we'll look it up. Sure enough, dude, everybody except the Packers and cold weather teams like the Bears kind of suck in cold weather. I mean, it's it just it just is a factor. I always thought that was an overblown thing, but but again, that's me just saying, oh, that's overblown. Nah, I don't think that's necessarily true. Because I remember that one time we lost and it was cold, and it's like, ah, oh, this is fake. This is a lie. I was lied to. Fairy tales. Get out of here. No, it's real. It's a thing. Statistics. You know, numbers and whatnot. It's it's there. So um, again, I'm real excited, man. I I really want to start. I mean, today, digging. Right now, Rams. I want to know everything about the Rams and the Packers and all that stuff. So any angles, any questions, like what about this, what about that, let me know. Uh, one of the things I looked at is is like shadow coverage and all that kind of stuff. It's somewhat interesting. Uh, who's going to be matched up against who? And uh, I think Coach Hahn is going to have some real great content. He's By the way, he did. He had a live stream during the, Ram, uh, the Ravens game, uh, three hours long just covering the whole thing, just doing breakdowns and whatnot. That's going to be a great thing to have up during the pay. If, if you can handle it. I know some people, uh, myself included, It's I, I'm just so laser-focused on the game, it's hard to focus on anything else. But if you'd like to have like live breakdowns of what happened, why it happened. Also, by the way, he basically predicted in that game that the Ravens would come back and win. He didn't say those words, but you know how early on the Titans looked like they were a more dominant team? He could tell by the way that they were running plays that these were sort of like feelers. 
he he saw them run a play and he's like that that play was just to see what the Titans would do. And he's like the the Titans were all celebrating. He's like you go ahead and celebrate, but all they're doing is setting you up for the future. Sure enough, as the game progressed, they had figured out the Titans, right? They're 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 playing chess, not checkers. They were setting them up, learning what they're doing. They're they're doing little things here and there just to see how they would respond. And in the second half, they couldn't stop the Ravens because the Ravens had them pegged, right? They 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 run all these little little plays just to see. Well, if we do this, what are you going to do? If we do this, what are you going to do? So they figured it out. All right, we do this, you do this. Boom, we got you. And that again, the second half, they kind of just took over. So it's it's great to have those kind of in-game commentary. Um, kind of reminds me of. Uh, the, the Romo-esque kind of thing. But uh, if, if you're interested in that, he's going to be he's planning on doing, uh, pending any things coming up or whatever, a uh, stream for the Green Bay Packers game. So that'll be up and running. You can obviously watch the game and then have that on in the side just to listen to. And then if, if something happens, you're like, dude, tell me, explain to me why that happened. You just jump in, drop a comment, and he'll he'll answer it. It's amazing to me. Every time I see a comment, I'm like, he doesn't know that. How would he know that? He probably doesn't even remember what play you're talking about. He knows you just... He just rattles it off. Like, that's crazy, man. I'm so stupid. <laughs> My biggest mistake was having Coach Hawn come do some work for me because I realized, and now everybody realizes, how stupid I am. It reminds me of that story. I really got to get out of here. But uh, John Madden was talking about how he had, he was like a young coach, and he, he was all, like, cocky, and he thought he knew everything. And it was like an eight-hour-long uh, seminar with Lombardi. And he, he said, like, the... I forgot what it was. I think it was like four hours, and then they did a break or something. I'm butchering the story. But more or less, he spent the entire four hours talking about the power sweep. Four hours breaking down their their like pivotal play. And he's he said he walked out of there. He was like, I don't, I don't know anything about football. Like, dude, four hours <laughs> on one play? I don't remember if he said they went back and like that was the whole eight hours or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. There's There's – Never an end to the amount of knowledge you can gain in this stuff. And uh, Coach Hahn is a, is a smart guy. He knows a lot of stuff. And he's going to learn a lot if you if you tune into that. So make sure you do that. But anyways, uh, again, get the questions in. And uh, we're, we're going to put in the work on this one. Rams-Packers, folks. Rams-Packers. First game on the road to the Super Bowl. You folks have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>